Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. Today I'm going to cover the Epic of Gilgamesh. This is the very first book from my list of 200 great books. Well, I spent the first two months of this year, 2023, reading straight through the Bible, and so it is still at the forefront of my mind, and something stuck out to me immediately from the Epic of Gilgamesh. There is a flood story in Gilgamesh, and it was written a thousand years before the flood story we know of as Noah's Ark. Now that Threw me for a loop. That one, uh, I I was not expecting that. I mean, I had heard that there were other flood stories, that there were, that that, that the flood, the deluge showed up in in other myths. But I guess what I didn't realize is that it would show up in one that was a thousand years before the, the account in the Bible, and also that there was one that was so similar to what we see in the Bible. Uh, I mean, there at the at the end of of the of the time in the in the boat. They send out birds in the Epic of Gilgamesh to uh, to to look for dry land, um, very similar to to what we find in the the Noah's Ark account. So this this brought up some questions and and uh, just made me wonder about things like: Is the Noah story just a a mere copy of an older story? And if it is, does that diminish it at all? Or did the flood happen in multiple places? And if so, how how was it that there were people that were saved from each area in some sort of a boat? It just kind of got me my mind going and uh, in in a in a fun way. And so last night I, I ran the first discussion group for this this new phase of the Books of Titans reading project, and there were four of us, and we talked about the Epic of Gilgamesh. And Dr. Jason Staples was on that call, and he said a, a few very helpful things in relation to to the story in in the the deluge, the uh, the flood story. So the first thing he said is that we're talking about Mesopotamia here, and this is an area that uh, a lot of it's between the Tigris and the Euphrates, and so these rivers, they would have flooded, and, and this would have been a, a, a potentially a, a regular occurrence for people living in this, this area. So devastating flooding would have likely been in the consciousness of, of these people. So whether or not there was a a huge flood that covered uh, a, a, an enormous area or, or the entire world, uh, whether that's the case or not, what is more likely is that anyone living in this area would be very familiar with a with a flood. So it would probably come out in in stories. So th- that's just one thing. Uh, the the next thing he said is. That instead of the story in in the Bible, the the account of the flood, instead of that being a a copy of the story found in the Epic of Gilgamesh, it could instead be the offering of a counter narrative. So same same story, same flood, but vastly different results, vastly different ramifications for that flood. 
So Dr. Staples was saying that, that the Bible writers would have known this story. They would have known the Epic of Gilgamesh. And from the tablets that we found, there are, there, uh, they, we have over 73 tablets of, of this story that, that we know of. Um, I guess there are so many tablets that they just haven't even had time to go through all of them, them yet. But they're, they're in museums. A lot of them are in the British Museum. There's some in museums here in the United States as well that contain this, this story, the Epic of Gilgamesh. So it's all over the places, place uh, in different areas, within different empires at different times, and there's there are a number of variations of the of this story. So the the, the key point here is that this was in the public consciousness. This this story this this was this was well known, and so the 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 biblical writers could, they they probably took this story and just offered a different after story of it, uh, the ramifications for this flood. And you, and you can see that in the Epic of Gilgamesh. So yes, the, the, the flood stories are very similar, but the ramifications for those are, are quite different. So what is the Epic of Gilgamesh? Uh, Gilgamesh was a historic king of, of, of that area. He ruled in Uruk, uh, U-R-U-K, and that's very close to Ur, which is where Abraham came from. So all, all very close in, in that area there. Uh, it's, it's kind of the original hero's journey, uh, or, or just a, a mythical journey of, of a man, uh, conquering, a, a monster or, or battling a monster, um, seeking a sage, seeking someone wise who, who can help him. Um, but there are a number of differences from what we are accustomed to with the, the hero's journey. And usually in, in a hero's journey, the, the, the hero battles the monster, battles the dragon, and overcomes the dragon, and there's this huge victory in that. Uh, but what we, what we see here in, in this case, the Epic of Gilgamesh, is that the battle against the monster, it, it actually doesn't end well. And perhaps Gilgamesh wasn't supposed to do that. And there's a lot of that kind of ambiguity in the story that that makes for just a a very rich story. It's not like this monster bad, Gilgamesh good, let's go kill monster, and then good guy beats bad guy. It's it's not like that. I mean, it's there's a lot wrong with Gilgamesh. Uh, he's a he's a horrible king at the beginning of the book, um, and and at the beginning of the story, and and you're you're seeing these these things that. You kind of expect the story to maybe go this way. Well, he defeats the monster. He's going to be, he's going to be the hero. But that's not how it goes down. And so, just a lot of neat, neat parts of the story like that. This, this is one of the, if not the oldest stories that we have. Four thousand years old. I mean, that that's it, it. It's so cool to 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 think about that. Uh, I'll go into that a little bit more in the next segment, but. Um, but yeah, the first thing that that stuck out was just that connection to to the Bible. There, there's other other pieces as well where where there, you'll notice a phrase like, uh, for instance, um, here's a section in Tablet Five where he says, "Though they may be weak, too," uh, and then there's a part where there's missing text, but uh, this idea that that. Uh, two will succeed. And then two triplets, a three-ply rope is not easily broken. And that is very similar to Ecclesiastes 4.12, where, let me get that. And that says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And uh, some other uh, translations of that have it more to that that three-ply 
statement. So that, that one stuck out as well. And, and it's kind of a neat idea of, I've, I've heard that in the Wisdom of Solomon or the, uh, the Proverbs that it was actually a collection of, of a lot of uh, wise sayings just from from around the the area at that time. So, kind of gets me excited about going deeper into this great books project. Like, will I will I come across more of these these phrases that show up in books attributed to Solomon? Um, it's kind of a, a, a neat neat thing to think about. So, next segment I'll go into one other thing that that stuck out to me, and then I want to highlight the the versions of this story that that I read. One thing I thought was really neat in this story was just what you learn about the beliefs of that time period. So yes, there, there's a certain degree where it's just you're, you're, you're reading a story, there's common elements, there's, um, there's action, there's, there's dialogue, there's, there's all of that. But, but within that, you're, you're learning something about the beliefs of that culture. Um, I, I, I guess in the sense that if if we if we were to watch a movie, there are just things embedded in there that are part of part of our culture. Like we don't even think about them, we don't question them. Uh, they're just in there. Like they, it, it's not a shock to us. And so here are th- a few ideas that that stuck out as I was reading this story. And some of these are just very basic, but uh, we're talking about a book that's that's uh, four thousand years old. So just kind of the the thinking about that. Uh, or, or a story that's that old and thinking about that and were, were people like vastly different? Did they believe just crazily vastly different things or are there some similarities? So here, here are just four things that, that stuck out. There is this belief in a, in another world, um, a, a place you go after you die. So there there's some sort of a, a life after death and, and it's it's talked about as as a shades, like you're a shade of, of what you were Um yeah, it's not like clearly defined of, of what all is involved. Um, and, and there is there is the netherworld. I, I didn't really get the sense that there was uh, perhaps like a, a good netherworld and a bad netherworld. Um, but there, there were degrees within that netherworld. Uh, there is a heaven spoken of, but that kind of seemed just more like the, the heavens of, of something above. Uh, a, a second thing here is just that there's a sense of staying in your place and in doing your your duty. Uh, that's a, a strong idea that that comes through through the book. Um, a third idea uh, is that Gilgamesh can defy the gods. So the gods don't make people their playthings, and this is, gets a little tricky because we're told that Gilgamesh is is two thirds god, one third man, and so maybe you know the the general person of the time is not going around defying the gods, um, but but there is quite a bit of defying of the gods by both Gilgamesh and his friend, and the fourth thing that that comes up is that the gods can make mistakes. So in the, in that story of the flood, in the story of the, of the deluge, there they kill off mankind. Uh, there, there's a few people that make it in in the boat, but uh, in general, they've they've killed off mankind, and so now mankind cannot offer sacrifices. They cannot feed the gods, and so the, so it it kind of backfired. Uh, and, and there's just an assumption there that the gods cannot foresee that uh, what would have happened. You know by by killing everyone off with a flood that that would have had that bad ramifications for the gods themselves. So apparently there's, there's limits to the gods of, of that. They can't know 
things in the future. Um, or perhaps they can, but just not in this, this circumstance. So I just found it fun to, to consider that at, while I'm reading the story and, and thinking of it. So in terms of the versions that, that I went with, I, I've read a couple and I've actually ordered a third. And here are some reasons why I did that. So first off, this was my very first time ever reading this story. And I was going to start with the Penguin Classics version that's translated by Andrew George. But when I started looking at it, it it's not like a academic academic book, but it's more academic than the Stephen Mitchell translation that I saw. And and I probably shouldn't use the word translation because Stephen Mitchell himself says it's not a translation, it's a version. And so what Stephen Mitchell says that he does is take English versions and, and kind of weave them together into a, a very nice version of Gilgamesh. And so what I did instead is I started with the Stephen Mitchell version, and I just read it straight through. And uh, it, it's very easy on the eyes. Um, it's just, he did a great great job of it. And so I read that before I read any notes, anything like that. I just wanted to read straight through the story and get the basic gist of what was happening in the story. So if you're in that same boat, if you have never read Gilgamesh, if you just want to understand the basics of the story, I would start with the Stephen Mitchell version of the book. Next, I read the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Penguin Classics version, and this is the one that's translated by Andrew George. And so uh, after reading the Stephen Mitchell one, I actually read the introduction from the Stephen Mitchell book just to get a, a, a better idea of what was going on. And then I read the introduction for the Andrew George version, and then I started reading the, the Andrew George translation. Now, the Andrew George translation is uh, is much more involved and it's much more scholarly in the sense that he is showing you where we're missing information. So whereas the Stephen Mitchell one is just the straight up, you know, kind of storyline, the the Andrew George version has brackets around the content where he he kind of thinks this is what it says, or he's pulling that from other tablets or other parts of the story where it, it, it's uh, similar wording. And, and then there'll be p sections where there's like, um, just this, with this text we don't have, or we're missing 30 lines here. And so he just highlights that throughout. And so the text is very marked up and you get the gist of the story. And then, and then at the beginning of each section, Andrew George is kind of telling you what is happening in that section. Um, and so that that's a really neat experience as well because you're you're getting a deep dive. You're seeing what we do have of the story, what we don't have, uh, where the clay tablets were were broken or we just are missing it. And and so that's really cool. And so the very first part of after the introduction is is the epic of Gilgamesh. But then after that, there are like a number of additional stories about Gilgamesh that have been found on, on different tablets. And so he just goes through those and it gives additional insight into the story, uh, maybe some different versions of, of the stories. And so that's, that's really neat as well. So if you, if you want to take a deeper dive, you can do that with this Andrew George Penguin Classics version. And, and I will link to, the, to these all in the show notes. In that call yesterday where we discussed the Epic of Gilgamesh, Dr. Staples 
suggested one other version, and that is just another version of the Epic of Gilgamesh, but this one is translated again from the original Akkadian language, which is what Andrew George did, uh, translated from the that the that original language. This is a 2022 version done by Sophus Hell Helle. I not sure on the pronunciation of the name, but um, I I actually just ordered this one yesterday. It's it's going to arrive tomorrow, and and I'm I'm going to read this one as well. Hey, it's it's the first book of the of the great books project. And I, I, I want to go deep in this one. And I've, I've really enjoyed reading it. So I'm going to go with this third translation as well. And if you follow me on social media or subscribe to the newsletter, I, I'll let you know what I what I thought of this one as well. But it, it goes by fa- I mean, you can read the the Stephen Mitchell version in an hour and a half. So I figured I might as well get this third version. I'd love to read it again, see maybe some of the things that that this person translate how they translated it differently. So that'll be the next book on my list. As part of this reading project, as part of this, uh, this great book books, part of the project, I'm also going to read what I'm calling a guidebook for each of the books. And so this guidebook could just be, you know, help help me better understand the Epic of Gilgamesh. So in a sense, I've gotten that from from the Stephen Mitchell version in the introduction, and then also the, the introduction and in tremendous guides within the text itself by Andrew George. There's also an introduction in this third book, but I'm going to read a a, another book, and, and it's called Civilizations of Ancient Iraq. It's by Benjamin Foster and Karen Pollinger Forster, uh, Foster. Now, this one was suggested, or it's in the bibli- bibliography for the Andrew George, George version. So that, that's where I heard about it. But it, it kind of just goes through the, the history of the, the land we know of, of as Iraq uh, in, in the civilizations there. So I'm really excited about this because I, I think it'll kind of tie in well with the Epic of Gilgamesh in the sense of here are the civilizations where this story was. I think it'll also help me just in uh, reading the Bible in the sense of the the people of Judah were exiled to us. Um, well, the, the northern kingdom was was exiled to Assyria. And the the southern kingdom, Judah, was exiled to Babylon. So I, I'll learn about these civilizations. I'll, I'll learn what life was like there. I think that just kind of help in understanding what it would have been like to go from the promised land of Israel, what that what it would have been like to to be in exile, to then go to Assyria and Babylon, and what what were the beliefs? What were what was life like? What what would it have been like for the people going there? Take a step back here really quickly just also to describe the 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 experience of reading this because I, I just read the Epic of Gilgamesh. I started it on March 1st and that was the very first time I ever read the book. So in terms of my expectations, I I really expected it since it is so old, I expected to not really understand a lot of it. I expected there to be a lot of just Things that <laughs> were just so foreign to my mind that uh, I, I was just going to kind of slog my way through it. But from the start, I I was enthralled. It is such a good story. It's such a a, a deep story. It's not you know perfect good guys over here, horrible evil bad guys over here, good guys defeat bad guys, end of story, happy ever ending. Uh, no, it's not like that at all. It's, it's a very deep story and a very good one. And so uh, this this is 
this is like why I read. This is why I like to read is is for things like this and, and coming across stories like this. I mean, it just opened my mind to so many new ideas. It was exciting. I loved reading just the story first without having anyone else's thoughts of it in my head. Just just show me the story. And then and then going deeper into these introductions and seeing how did how did this story come about? How did we get the story? We didn't we didn't get the story until the year 1850. It was lost for like a thousand years. And they found these clay tablets. They started finding these in, in different archaeological um, excavations. And now we have a ton of them. And we've we've just had this story now for for a little over 150 years. So that's that's another really cool part of it as well. This this old old story is is rediscovered in in a way. So I I highly recommend you reading it and if you do uh, start with the Stephen Mitchell version if uh, you want to go deeper go with the Andrew George version and then um, I'll let you know what I think of this this new 2022 version as well. So in the next segment, I will cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from the Epic of Gilgamesh. This is how I have always ended my podcast episodes because I find that if I can remember one thing from a book, it will help me to remember uh, a lot more. And um, it's also, if I can remember that one thing, uh, that that's, that's a good start in, in remembering what I've read. The one thing, my one key takeaway from the Epic of Gilgamesh. Well, one of the reasons I, I started this Great Books project is because I started seeing this idea that books come from books. And I could read one book that was just, it would take one part of another book and, and expand on it. But you just, you keep pulling that thread and it usually goes back to a book. And maybe that's not even the first book. It maybe it goes back further than that. But there are what are these called these great books. There are books that have influenced many others. And you can read the books that were influenced by them or you could read the book that started the influence. And so that's that's really one of the main reasons I'm doing this this great books project in reading 200 books over the next 10 years is because of that idea books come from books. The idea that stories before the Bible influence the Bible and are potentially interacting with those stories, that is one of the most exciting ideas I've come across in a while. And that's my one thing from this book. It has me really excited. Uh, It's easy to see the Bible's influence across much of our literature, but to read some of these early texts and see how the biblical writers may have been referencing and addressing these stories is is a whole new world to me. It just... I, I, I guess I had never thought of it before, that the biblical writers were, were referencing and then addressing and perhaps giving a different vantage point, a different view, a different takeaway from these, these stories that were so widespread. And that, that is just a really cool thing, to, as I'll be reading some other books here that, that predate the, the writing of the, of the Bible. And, and yes, that took place over, over many years, but um, uh, I'm, I'm speaking directly in reference to the, to the beginning part of the Bible. So I, I can't wait to dig into some of these other, other stories and, and see if I notice these connections or, or maybe uh, how a biblical writer might be 
taking a piece of a story and then giving a different view on it or, or even referencing it just in itself. So to recap, uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh was truly an epic. It is a fantastic story. You will, it'll be hard for you to put it down. So much going on. So, so many neat things to think about after you read it. I, I do recommend trying to get to find someone else to read it with and, and talk to them about it after you've read it, because there's just, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down. There's so many things to, to discuss from, from this book. I'm nerding out. I'm, I'm reading three different versions of it. And then I'm going to read this, this, this ancillary book, Civilizations of Ancient Iraq, to understand even, even more uh, the, the civilizations that were a part of this book where we found these tablets and where this story would have been a, a big part of their their lives. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you, uh, especially if you have read The Epic of Gilgamesh and you want to share maybe something you've gotten out of it. Just as part of this um, opening up the project to to more of, of online discussions, I've, I've started hearing from, from a lot more people. And it's it's been cool. I've, I, there's some people that read Gilgamesh um, because of of this project, and now they're going down these huge rabbit holes, uh, reading articles, going into the archaeology of finding these tablets, um, and they're sending me what they're finding. And so they're sending me articles and videos, and uh, it's it's really been a delight. So. I, I hope you join in in one of these upcoming discussions as well. I'm, I'm trying to get this information settled and kind of a, a, a schedule going out just on when I'll be doing the books. But the best place to start right now is just to look at the list of the great books and to start start getting some of those, knowing that I'll probably have some discussions about those. And also knowing that you, you'll have some time to read them because I'm going to be doing these guidebooks throughout as well. So you'll see the straight list, but but I'll, I'll also be reading other books in between those. So they can give you some time to, to get these books and then, and then to start reading them. So please subscribe to the newsletter and I, I'll keep you updated there on, on what's going on with the project. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks talk another, uh, to talk about another book from this great books project. And, and the book I may even talk about is that Civilizations of Ancient Iraq. Uh, I may just kind of share what I learned from that. I'll be back in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.